Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unwelcome Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Owsley, and I am joined again today by the next state superintendent for public instruction, the Ryan Walters. Ryan, thank you so much for being here, man. Well, thank you. Hopefully, we, uh, you know, conservatives get out the vote on Tuesday, August 23rd, and, and, I, and I hope you're correct. I'm very excited. I, I really hope that we have actually a conservative in this office who's serious about getting left-wing ideology and indoctrination out of our schools. So I am, I'm working hard to make sure conservatives are going to get out the vote on Tuesday. Yes, you are. And, and you were a few minutes late. He's out on the trail, you know, pounding the pavement, doing everything he needs to do to make sure that it, everybody's hearing the, the message that we've got to stop. We have to stop the left-wing indoctrination of our students, as he said. And Ryan, I will say this, and this is to all of my normal viewers, all new viewers uh, who may know who I am and the work I've done on this. Ryan knows what he's talking about. And the great thing about Ryan uh, as well is that he's willing to listen and learn what he may not know. So, uh, and that's part of what I think we need in this position. We've had too much, too much systemic old guard, old politics in this position. And, and Ryan is the fresh face that's ready to, to bring it to us. So thank you, Ryan, for your work. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And, and, and to your point, you know, the, the reason why, you know, that I, that I know is because I listen, you know, I mean, that's what's been so amazing is the condescension of administrators in the left to parents, you know, and, and to folks in the community that are engaged going, hey, what about this? You know, it's so amazing. We, I was told many times about what was going on in Tulsa public schools, about the, the, the critical race theory concepts that were there and the books. And, you know, the administration just kept acting like parents were crazy. What are you talking about? I'm going, look, they're, they're, I'm getting email after email, text message after text. Message. What are you talking about? Like, they're not they're not making this stuff up. And what right. do you know, it takes, you know, just just a few weeks. We ask for an audit. We start having parents come forward and we have teachers. And that's the other thing. And you did a great job. There was an article that you put together earlier in the week. I thought it was fantastic. But, you know, I get a lot of feedback from from our great conservative teachers around the state that go, hey, I got into this to teach science. And look at look at what they're look at the training they're requiring me to go to. Yeah. Well, and that, that goes into it because, you know, you hear uh, your your opponent talk about, oh, we need to focus on teacher shortages and there needs to be more money, more, you know, more money. Uh, uh, not dumped, but given to the public schools. But you, Governor Stitt has, has funded public schools in this state more than any other governor in history. That is a fact. And it, the way I see it is that there's this giant administrative apparatus, right, that is, that is taking up and soaking up all this money. And a large portion of that is, you know, this training that's forcing teachers to do things they don't want to do. But I want to I hit on this subject of the teacher shortage real quick, because... Uh, there, there is this message going around that, you know, teachers are not going into the teaching profession because uh, they're not being paid enough. And that may not that may be true for a, a minority of teachers. I, I, I will you know, we could always pay teachers more. I'm a teacher. You're a teacher. We could always use more money. But as you just said, teachers teach because of a love for their subject and a love for wanting to spread their their the, the content and their love of their subject to their students. So what? What outside of that, what, how do you see that this issue or the, the woke issue is maybe preventing teachers from actually uh, staying in the profession? 
Great, great question. Uh, you know, and I talk to teachers all over the state that, again, you know, most teachers I talk to, again, the overwhelming majority, they got into education because they wanted to make a difference in young people's lives. A lot of folks want to do that through a specific subject area, you know, like they're passionate. You know, I was a history teacher. I was passionate about history. I had a great history teacher um, that just got me on fire and, and just turned me into like, you know, a history nerd to my core here. And um, and that was what inspired me. And, you know, you'll look at other teachers and they go, listen, you know, I came here to teach math. And I think it's important for young people. And they're having me push this type of left wing indoctrination. They want me talking about social justice in every math lesson I teach, like what TPS was pushing. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to sit through all of these trainings. I don't need DEI training every month. I don't need this sensitivity training every month. What are they doing? They're trying to push me to indoctrinate kids and I don't want to do it. And what you've seen again is in um, a lot of our teachers. Hey, look, uh, you know, Teachers, our best teachers should make more money. That's one of the reasons that we've been so passionate about this audit. You know, and I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, we've seen student growth in the state at about 8%. Mm -hmm. We've only seen the growth of, of teachers grow at about 4%, but yet we've seen administrative growth at over 40%. Yes. So what you see is, yeah, you know, I mean, the more money we invest, where is it going? It's mm -hmm. going to the administrator, the bureaucracy, and it's going to enforce programs. And when we do this deep dive, and I appreciate you shining a light with, with, on these programs, but so many of these programs are indoctrination. They're not even beneficial to, the, the, to what teachers are trying to do. So again, the investment isn't getting to the classroom. It's not getting to the kids and it's not getting to the teachers. The teachers are the ones making the difference in the kids' lives. I mean, mm -hmm. I always joke around about this, you know, I'm kind of, uh, hey, I ask everybody who their favorite teacher is and everyone's got, you know, somebody comes to your mind, several people mm -hmm. come to your mind. You know, we don't have a, you know, most people don't have a favorite administrator. Who's your favorite education <laughs> bureaucrat, right? I mean, you know, you know, hey, I'm glad we have folks in those positions, but let's be, let's be clear. It's the yeah. teacher you're making the difference in the kids' lives. That's exactly right. And you're, you came right out of the classroom into this position. And the, the, what I, what I cannot stand is the other side kind of trying to use that against you as if, as if that is some kind of deficiency because you didn't spend 10 or 20 or 30 years sitting atop, high atop the thing, you know, uh, looking down on people and, oh, I've got pulling all the strings. I, I the, the point you just made about the fact that you, that teachers are the ones that make the difference and having somebody come straight from the classroom into the state um, uh, kind of you, you kind of jumped into the state bureaucracy as an outsider and, and, and because you got to be in the middle of it to try to change it, but you've been able to also sit on the outside. And I think that was really great of governor Stitt to bring you in into that position. And it just shows that, that this is the, one of the main reasons I think you need to be the next super state superintendent is because you haven't been corrupted and, you know, bogged down by this, this giant bloat, that that can happen to these state superintendents sometimes, and and so, I, but I want to I want to hit I want to go back to the teacher shortage thing just a little bit. What I I've I've talked to lots of teachers in Stillwater, I've talked to lots of teachers in Norman and Edmond, and these are you know college towns, right? You got uh, OU, OSU, um, and UCO, and I've heard specifically in Norman that there are it's difficult for them to get jobs. Now I want to explain to my audience, anybody who's tried to be a teacher in Norman, who really wants to be a teacher, you gun for those college towns. These are the best, historically the best districts to work at. But I have gotten a very um, well-sourced reports that 
specifically in Norman, you're having 10, 10 or 15 teachers. They, they can't fill the positions in Norman and they're all going to outside, maybe smaller rural districts that don't have as much of this administrative bloat that don't have the DEI. And do, do you think that there's any maybe specific reason why this is kind of centered around this teacher shortage might be centered around college towns? I, I absolutely do. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing all these issues in Norman public schools and Stillwater public schools. I think there is an, and I've got folks, you know, I got folks that reach out to me from the inside. They're telling me about this too. There's an, there is an influence from higher ed here, those colleges and some of those professors, some of those left-wing professors to push the school district and to push the boards and frankly, the administrators um, to, to inject this into their classroom. Again, it is you know, it is a push to go woke. I mean, it, that's mm-hmm. what it is. I mean, the far left truly believes, you know, and I mean, you know, and you, you go, how do you believe this? But they do. They believe that in order to us to be a better country, that they have got to create their own social justice warriors that think the country's racist, that think that white people are racist, that think that, uh, that, that think that there needs to be sexualization given in the early ages at a, in graphic detail, because you know what, that's what woke means. You gotta, you gotta understand sexuality mm-hmm. as a third grader. I mean, this is what <laughs> they believe and they are pushing it through their influence in these towns. And again, to your point, these towns should be the easiest to staff their, their, their um, uh, schools or K-12 mm-hmm. schools because you have colleges of ed, right? There are biggest colleges of ed literally in your town. Right. You would think all the student teaching is being done there, all of those mm-hmm. types of things. But it begs the question, to your point, what is going on at those schools? What is the what are the administrative staff doing? You ask rural uh, superintendents around the country, they would love or around the state. They would love to have a college of ed in their backyard where yeah. folks can interact with them. But the reality is and again, I talked about woke superintendents. You know, mm-hmm. I've got superintendents, rural superintendents all over the state I talk to every week. And they mm-hmm. tell me I would never let this happen in my class. As a matter of fact, I talked to a superintendent last week that said, look, I can't guarantee you. It would not happen, but I can guarantee you what would happen if it did. If yeah. We won't be in the district anymore. You know, and I mean, so we've got good uh, superintendents out there that have common sense. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I see a lot of it in the rural areas. And so you've seen teachers start to gravitate and move out of these uh, pockets of, of, of liberalism to say, mm-hmm. listen, in these smaller towns, that the schools are more based in their community, so they're not going to get way off the reservation with curriculum. They're 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 based in the community, so their administrators are much more open and accessible to staff, and and that's what I think we're starting to see. Yeah, well, and I I think also in terms of the teacher shortage and Norman and and Stillwater is that when you not only do you have I think you have teachers leaving the profession, you have older teachers, and and you were a young teacher at one point, you know, 10 years ago, when you first started teaching, what they do, they gave you a mentor teacher, somebody who had been there for 30 years, somebody who knew the ropes, somebody who could tell you how to how to navigate difficult situations, somebody who could give you pointers on, on, uh, you know, how how to better deliver your curriculum and and make make the students excited about your, your projects, but those teachers are leaving. But not only that, you have less teachers going in to college to be uh, a teacher. Why would that be? Nobody's asking that question, you know, and go ahead, because I think you have some insight on that. And, and no, I mean, you know, I, I'd first start with, you know, I, I tell the story all the time. I wanted to be the best teacher. I, I did. I had a tremendous teachers. I wanted to be as good of a teacher as I could be. I got about six weeks into teaching and I was not a good teacher. I mean, I, I, I mean, the kids, you know, I had some behavior issues and I thought I was doing a great job. I'd work on my lectures and lessons. And, and I, and I, you know, you'd always have, I'd have, you know, a few kids that like loved it, 
but I'm going, I'm not getting full participation. What's going on. Luckily I had a mentor teacher who started coming to me every day working with me. And then, you know what, in a couple of months, I began to see much better involvement. The test scores went up, the engagement went up. I felt like every learner was engaged and it was really tremendous, but you know, I, I am very thankful that I had a good mentor teacher who helped me because as a young teacher, it was, it was, Hey, being a great teacher is incredibly difficult to do. Yes. It, 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 to be really good at, you know, you got 25, 23 kids. They're all different. They're all unique. Getting the most out of every one of those students' God-given potential is a tremendously difficult job. So being a great teacher is very tough. So that is so key and so important. And I think you asked such a good question about, uh, you know, why, why we have young people not going into these colleges of education. And, I, and I, I'm going to give a few points on that if, if you'll allow yeah, me. Yeah, no, you go ahead. I think, first of all, you know, again, if we see classrooms and administrators pushing woke ideology, good people don't want to go into that. Hey, teaching is a skill. If you're a good teacher, that's a skill set that translates into many other workforce jobs. If you can work well with people, you can you're you're a self-starter, you're independent, you develop your own lesson plans, develop your own strategy and can and can explain difficult, complex subjects to, to groups of people. Hey. I know a lot of business leaders that would love to hire you. So, I mean, it, mm-hmm. they, that's a skill set that can be used in other areas. So, hey, I don't, those people don't have to be teachers. They can do something else. And the that's other right. thing is, I mean, frankly, you know, if you have conservative values, why are you going to go into a college of ed where you're going to get on a white privilege walk? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that you can be told how, because of the color of your skin, that, that you are a racist and you have to mm-hmm. atone for your whiteness. You're not going to do that. You are absolutely not going to sign up. And that's why, you know, one of the things I've been advancing is, listen, colleges of ed, it's really up to you to show your worth to young people that want to be teachers. And that's where I've been open and advocating for these alternative teaching certificate pipelines to look. Mm. If you can show that you're competent, I I don't want to require you to go to a college of ed. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, there's no reason for it. See that. And I think this is the this is the dirty little secret, if you want to put it that way. Um, Or those of us who've been through, you know, uh, um, teacher school or colleges of ed. And, you know, I have a music ed degree. A majority of my degree was music classes. I got a few methods classes. I took three college of ed courses at the end of my degree, but they were all increasingly and, and it's even more so now ideologically tilted. And that's where you kind of get. If you are a history teacher or you are a mathematician or you are a, you know, any number of these experts in your field and you actually go and study that, the education course is beyond classroom management, which is a joke now, I think, here in the latter years. Um, you don't need that to be a good teacher. What you need is, a, is the ability to connect. And what I believe that these colleges of education are doing is that they're actually weaponizing this ability to connect, right? Because just like you said just a few minutes ago, us as teachers um, have, a, with great power comes great responsibility, right? With When you're with the kids, when you're with kids eight hours a day, 185 days a year, you have influence. And it seems to me that this woke, um, this woke apparatus, this woke monster, this blob wants to seep in everything, but they want to do that through the relationship from the teacher to the student. And I want to get into what you said about um, independent mindsets and being a conservative teacher. This is what what you said is very true. And I want to make this point. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. Um, Well, it does. They use that as this big cover. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we're going to make this about, you know, helping um, 
you know, historically marginalized people, all of those kinds of things. Of course, we want to make sure that the, the playing field is actually even, but even, not stacked in either direction. But really what it's about, and this is what we're seeing coming out of Stillwater, coming out of, um, you know, OSU and OU down into all of the public schools is an ideological litmus test. That, that And they're actually harder on people who are, uh, who may be black and be conservative. You know, we saw this with maybe James Taylor at different places. Uh, Dr. James Taylor, if you know him, uh, he, he was he's a teacher out of Oklahoma City, actually got fired for wearing a mask, you know. But but if you have a bend that goes against your group identity, right, then they're going to hit you really hard. So I want. OK, so <laughs> ha, ha, what have you seen across the state? Let's just begin with. Tulsa and Mustang. We, we got to hit Tulsa and Mustang and what just happened with 1775 because it gets really deep into it. Yeah. Just outline that for us and, and let us know what really happened here because there's a lot of uh, narratives going around that aren't, aren't true about that. Sure. You know, and I mean, by, by the way, this is what happens. And I tell folks this all the time when you hold people accountable, uh, when you hold bureaucrats accountable. Uh, you know, they, they, they fling all this around and they, and they, they say things are just absolute nonsense. You've seen uh, Deborah Gist over there in Tulsa, just say things that are absolute nonsense, just, just nonsense. Mm -hmm. You know what she thought she is, you know, bought and paid for a superintendent. I mean, let's be really honest, the administrators association and the, uh, the teachers union bought and paid for Joy Hoffmeister. And so, Hey, there's supposed to be no accountability here. I mean, we're supposed to do whatever we want. Okay. So now that some accountability has come onto the table, you just see them losing their mind. I mean, it is not, I mean, you know, and I just, I go, Hey, we can have this conversation with all Oklahomans love to have it. Is it appropriate to require every teacher in Tulsa public schools to attend a training where they are told to put social justice into every lesson that they teach? And part of that social justice is to teach them about environmental racism and have their students understand how the how the environment around them. This is geography. This is the people around them. This is the different people groups are racist. Should that be in every lesson that's taught at Tulsa public schools? That's outrageous. It's not it's not iffy. It's ridiculous. It's it's it's. It's almost make well. It is. It's a lot of ways. It's make believe, right? When you talk about oh, we have to do the geological effects of racism, that but it's also dangerous, right? And 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 what seventeen seventy five has done, and what I think it's starting to do is do exactly you said. It's hold the administrators accountable. And I think that. Let me ask you this: seventeen seventy five has gone a long way, and I think what you all what what the state board of ed did with. Um, with Mustang and Tulsa and holding them accountable is a start, but it seems to, there seems to be this carve out for this DEI apparatus, you know, where we can't go directly after them yet. So if you could see, if you could make 1775 stronger or, or in your position as superintendent, what would you do different than Joy Hoffmeister to use the tools that 1775 has already given you? So the first thing I do want to say about this is, I don't want to give too much away at this point, and I hate uh-huh. to be facetious with it, but I will say there are some great legislators uh, that are working on some legislation, and I and I know they're talking to you too about <laughs> uh, what can be done this session because we we've got to 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 do more here because the mm-hmm. reality is there's got to be stricter punishments here. We need to be even more explicit in, in what's allowed and what's not. I mean, frankly, that to your point, they're they're able to get around this, and we're we're doing a, I think we're doing a good job of mm-hmm. uh, stepping things up. But we have now seen the way and, and guys, this is why we always have to stay vigilant. And I think mm-hmm. you've done a great job of, out, of outlining this on, on your show that, you know, they call it different things. 
they they sneak it in here. Well, well, technically this was a training. It wasn't it wasn't a professional development. Well, this was a this was a a uh, you know a session, not not an actual lesson. I mean, all this they try to tiptoe through the raindrops. And so I know there's some good legislators helping put more teeth in it, and also um, clarifying some of that. And mm-hmm. so I'm looking forward to working with them on that, and really appreciate them taking this seriously, and appreciate your work on that as well. And then the other thing I would say, and I've been really clear about this, you know. The state superintendent holds this tremendous power that could that could help stop this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That is the state superintendent and that board have the ability to take away teaching certificates and take away administrator certificates. And I have already told them I want them looking into Deborah Gist superintendent license. Her certificate should be examined when she has broken state law, has bragged about what she's been doing to break state law. That could be grounds for losing your certificate. If you're yeah. going to break state law, you shouldn't be an administrator in the state of Oklahoma. You can, do, you can find something else to do. If you're going to violate state law and indoctrinate our kids, go find something else to do. Don't That's right. be working in our schools. That could be done tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, if you had a superintendent that actually wanted to hold them accountable like I'm going to do, mm-hmm. we can absolutely tell them, guys, here's the deal. The state of Oklahoma has spoken. You're not doing this in your schools. You've allowed it on your watch. And so you're going to have to go somewhere else to find another job. Right. Well, and I think this is not unprecedented, right? How many teachers, how many teachers, if you break the law, you, you don't get to, especially if it's in the context of your classroom, right? I mean, if, if you're an abuse, and here's the other part of it, abuse to students has never been tolerated or shouldn't be tolerated, right? Right. And if you've got state superintendents who are tolerating abuse at any level, that's probably not the person you want in, in, in the state superintendent's office. You know what I mean? And so th- there's also the aspect of what is being allowed downstream of the state superintendent. So here's, here's one thing I want to highlight. It, just recently in Norman, um, I came across a video of the Norman uh, school superintendent, you know, talking about how he was going to allow the DEI officer. Um, and this is back in 20, early 2021, late 2020. And I just want to point this out because I want to help draw the line here of the things that you've been exposing on the state level and where they're being, where they're coming from. The state superintendent of Norman Public Schools said two things. He said, we're going to give our, um, you know, DEI officer uh, the ability to audit every single thing that comes into a school library. What have we been seeing in school libraries? And I and you said this perfectly just, I think, yesterday, the day before. Uh, by the way, I just love your car messages, man. It's it, 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 crazy, but, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's, just, it's great because y- you come out and you say things that are absolute common sense and the left loses their mind. They just lose their mind. What you said is, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have pornography in school libraries. you know why is this but i want to point out that this dei apparatus is they have purview over these we didn't start seeing this stuff infiltrate school libraries and the classrooms until these dei officers saying we need to be more inclusive talk to me about this for a second because i i know you've seen lots of different things that maybe i never heard of but what what types of books have you seen, I know we've went over this before and you've been talking about it, but I, w- I want to just, for the audience that maybe not have seen you talk about this stuff, what kind of books are you seeing in? Because the 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 left side of this issue is trying to make you look nuts yeah. for, for, for saying porn shouldn't be in school. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fascinating <laughs> position. Uh, yeah, it is. It's nuts. But, but you know, I mean, what we've seen, and again, I, I mean, it's hard for me to even talk about on, on air, but what we've seen are graphic sexual acts depicted. And I don't mean like talked about or discussed. I mean, shown graphic sex acts. The f- I mean, there, nothing hidden here, nothing like innuendo. It is, it is full pornography, mm-hmm. full sex acts that are in grade school, elementary school libraries. I mean, it, it is unbelievable that that there would be any defense for this. And yet the left is somehow, you know, they, they act like and this is I, I this is amazing to me. They act like it's censorship. And so I go, guys, let me let me just let me understand your position. If we don't peddle pornography to kids, young kids, then we're it's censorship like mm-hmm. no no no. we can it's called common i know it's really hard to teach common sense to a leftist i mean it's nearly yeah. <laughs> but it's called being an adult okay yeah a, a first grader should not see pornography um we should not allow for it to be in the library so that they can look at it I, again i can't i don't know how else to explain it to them but um <laughs> yeah that's just that's pretty clear right and, yeah. and so there's no academic value here Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not we're not talking about just a description or anything. We're talking about graphic novels that literally depict sex acts. And so there's no place for it. And I mean, again, I've seen the parents in Stillwater have been great. You know, they've been at the school board meetings and just holding them to account to, you know, this is a great point that I've heard made of, you know, OK, so what happens if if you showed a kid these novels, if you walked to the park and took out one of these novels and gave it to a kid, you would be arrested. Yep. Okay. That's it. Um, and, and yet we have them in our libraries and we have superintendents going, I mean, we've got a process. So, hey, next month we meet on Tuesday. And if you want that pornography taken out of our school, please submit a request. And we've got a committee and they'll look at it and they'll come back next. M- I mean, this is just it's such a typical, you know, uh, leftist uh, bureaucrat answer. of We've got a process. And before, you know, before we do anything, let's follow a two month process. Yeah. But it's not hard get pornography out of schools only have things of academic value in your libraries it's, it's not complicated yeah, and it always goes back to this this bureaucratic process and i want everybody to understand this and and you've started hitting it it's something i hit a lot but dei it, it, it's couched under the diversity equity and inclusion okay we all want diversity that that that's the shield that's their buckler right this is what they use to to the language that they use to cover themselves right they, because and, and if you dare go against it then ryan you're a racist you're you're a sexist you're a misogynist you're a homophobic person right but we all what i want everyone to understand here is that this these books this blatant um pornography and and just not appropriate for students material is brought in under the ideology of inclusion yep at what point would do at, at what point is there too much inclusion of materials based upon some leftist moral virtue? Yeah, that's right. Where where yeah. Oklahomans don't want this. That's right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so inclusion. So so do you, so is inclusion mean that your first graders should be lectured about what a transvestite is and be shown pictures of them and had a conversation about boys can be girls and girls can be boys. And, mm-hmm. and let, let's talk you through this. And then let's talk about, you know, if you're uh, gay, this is what sex looks like for homosexual couples. This is what sex looks like for heterosexual. No, no, you shouldn't be talking about that. No, no, we don't want that type of inclusion in schools. What we want is our teachers to focus on the Oklahoma academic standards and help our young people be equipped 
to move to the next grade and then move into the workforce. And again, I'm going to tell you, teachers don't want to be talking about that either. That is a conversation that happens at home. That's Mm -hmm. a conversation that's a private conversation with, hey, a mental health professional or a counselor or somebody like that. If you want to do a one-on-one with your child and and, and a therapist or talk, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. that is not an appropriate conversation to have in a classroom. And we're hearing it from parents all the time if their kids are in these classes going, I mean, we shouldn't be talking about sexuality. It doesn't matter what kind of sexuality. We shouldn't be talking about it in our grade schools. But again, to your point, what is diversity, equity, and inclusion? They like to use these, these, these words. You know, the funny thing is, you know, hey, conservatives, conservatives and libertarians go, look, hey, look, hey, bring other viewpoints. You know, we'll talk Mm -hmm. academic viewpoints and, and we're not scared of those conversations. Um, but but that's not what they want, by the way. They don't want other viewpoints. What they want is inclusion to mean let us push our woke ideology on kids at the youngest grades so that they can grow up to be social justice warriors. And the reality is, as you started off, you made a great point early on. As teachers, we are entrusted with a tremendous amount of confidence from the public. Mm-hmm. People allow us. I mean, and I always tell my students that is, you know, I take very seriously the fact that I understand that during the week. I may be spending more time with you than your parents. They've got jobs, they're working, and they send them to school. I take that responsibility very seriously. And so I'm trying my best um, to get you to, to achieve the most out of your God-given potential. And, and that's a very serious responsibility that your parents are, are allowing me to take part in. Right. And, and putting teachers, and so when you're a teacher, you know that if you start having conversations about sexuality, um, about about you know anything along those lines, the influence you're going to have on these kids is 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 tremendous. And so teachers go, look, I don't I don't want to go down that road. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have that. That's not. I went to school to teach kids about history. You know, so and so went to school to teach about math. They, mm-hmm. they don't want to walk in there and start talking about the you know d- the details on different sex acts. It's 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 inappropriate. It shouldn't be. It won't be allowed in our schools. And number two, teachers don't want to have those conversations. That's not what they got in the profession for. Well, and that's a, it's almost a cudgel. This inclusion cudgel is almost a, a way of forcing teachers who don't want to do that to embed it. It, it is it embeds it within their content subject. And and you have not even. And this is where it becomes a middle management problem, right? Because you have your state superintendent or, or not your states, but your school superintendent who is making, you know, these uh, just sub lower administrative uh, decisions in hiring, right? Where you put in the DEI office, you put in the 15 school counselors. You know, when I was when I was in school and this wasn't that long ago, I'm not, you know, I'm not even 40 yet. You know, you and I are about the same age, but it's like yeah. it, this wasn't that long ago. Your counselor was there to say, OK, this is what you got to do to get in college. Right. right. Yeah. They, they weren't there to go in and pick your brain and be like, OK, I'm going to what it, what's bothering you today about the way you feel about your gender. Right. And I, I, want, I want to I, because you were just recently in the classroom and I think you taught high school. Right. Um, yeah. And tell me just 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 one little teacher note here for our teachers watching and or, or for our non teachers watching. Tell me the difference is that you are the the changes you notice from a freshman to a senior in high school, because I think this is a, this is an issue that is not often touched on the, 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 the physical changes, the mental changes and the effect that a counselor, right. Who's maybe, you know, trained to do this, that, or the other, or a teacher who has an ideological agenda 
can I have a have on a child or a teenager or a middle schooler from that point on? Just just talk about that as a teacher for a minute. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I mean, so I, yeah, I taught ninth through twelfth grades. Um, I did some coaching in some of the junior high, but but mainly I was working with ninth through twelfth graders. And what you see is, you know, again, you know, kids at that age, uh, the hormones are going, and and they're getting to that age. And you know, I always loved. Um, you know, working with young people at that age too, because they're starting to ask questions about life. They're starting to ask questions about, you know, so what, what kind of job could I get with a history degree, a political science degree? You know, right. they're really starting to have those conversations about, all right, so what's next for me, you know, and, um, and they're, they're starting to find their subject area interests. You know, that was, uh, of course, I'm a history nerd. So I always mm-hmm. love to have those conversations with them because I always felt like kids, you know, 10th, 11th, square eight are starting to go, I love science. I love math. You know, th- so they're starting to get more, into those subject areas. And so, you know, ninth graders are still coming out of that stage of it's a, it's a lot, you know, a lot of immaturity, uh, you know, the academic uh, difficulty levels going up and they struggle mm-hmm. with that. And they're kind of having, you know, again, you got the teenagers that kind of have that clash with their parents. And so I always believe it's so important that when you have, you know, issues in class or see issues with a young person, especially in the high school, freshman, sophomore ages, reach out to mom and dad, let them know, bring them into the conversation because you just know those teenage years can be tumultuous, you know, with the uh, young people kind of at that age. And so that's where we talk about young people being so impressionable, you know, that that's where you see the concerns about, okay, what are, we need to make sure appropriate conversations are going on. And frankly, we have to be sure that we don't have sexual predators in our schools. And, and frankly, this has been a major concern across the state as we've seen, and you guys see it, there's teachers that get busted all the time for inappropriate relationships with kids. That is mm-hmm. sick. It's unacceptable. And frankly, you have predators that, that target that age. I mean, it's, hey, it's your high school age kids. They're getting more independence from their parents. They're probably frustrated with their parents. They can be adrift. And you have sick predators that will, that will prey on them in, in those ages. Mm-hmm. So that's something we have to be hyper vigilant about. And that's also why it's just so important at those ages that you have teachers, school counselors that are willing to help those kids go, okay, so you really like math. Okay. So if you really like math, Let's start talking about, and again, what I would like to see and what I'm advocating for more of is getting students into internships, externships, let them try out a job while they're in high school to see maybe this is what I want to do. Maybe it's not what I want to do. Not every kid needs a liberal arts degree. They don't. You know, (laughs) that's the truth. We push them there, you know, hey, freshmen, sophomores, you've you've got to go to college and get a degree. It doesn't matter what, you just have to go to college. And I'm going, no, how about freshmen? sophomores, we start going, okay, you've really excelled at math. Would you want to go do an externship with the local, local bank and kind of talk, you know, start working with them for a few hours a week and see what their job duties are. Let's go to the career tech. You know, you talked a lot about, you like the project-based learning. Maybe we get you over there to the local career tech and get you in a welding class or, you know, I mean, there's so many things that you can start unpacking if you do that. And again, we've talked about counselors across the state as well. When I talk to counselors, counselors want to work with young people to help them make that step. Like, yeah. like what you said, you know, when I was in school, my school counselors helped me walk through, Hey, okay, well, if you really want to be a teacher, here's your teaching colleges. Let's, let, let's talk about the, you know, and let's talk about the options here. Um, but what we've seen is again, the, the school counselors don't want to be put in positions to mm-hmm. be having to, to lecture students on, on sexuality or this ideology. They want to have those real conversations about, Hey, you know, we got back your ASVAB or we got back the ACT. 
this is great. You know, we, let, let's talk through kind of what these skills a lot of times in the workforce where you can be. And maybe, hey, let me connect you with, with a local insurance agent and, let, and let's have yeah. that conversation. Tell them about their job. I think you'd like that. I mean, those need to be the conversations we're having. Well, and I, I want to go back to what you said or this connects to what you had said earlier is that when you first walk in, I think every teacher hits this. You know, you do your student teaching semester. You got somebody watching with you because if you have to, if you've gone through ed school, you have to do that. But when you first walk into your own classroom, you are not a good teacher. You know what I mean? Like not, you're not, you may be talented, you may have some skills, but I did not learn how to be a teacher until I started teaching, you know? And, and I think what you're hitting on right here is this practical mindset that we've seems to have been sucked completely out of public school that there's ha- that you, you don't get taught about how to balance your own checkbook. You don't get taught about how to manage your budget. You don't get taught about how to, you know, uh, how to invest you know, and, and how to build wealth and, and all the basic skills that you might need that you could do without a college degree, right? That many have. I mean, many have gone on to be very successful, you know, businessmen or, or entrepreneurs without ever having gone into college. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we don't need to send kids to college, but I will say this. If the colleges continue to push ideology yep. over education, what's the purpose in sending them to college? Oh, I, I hear this all the time. I hear this from parents all over the state of going, look, hey, you know, I want to ensure wherever I send my child post, you know, K-12 education, whatever it is, they're preparing for what's next in life, their next job. You know, what we're hearing more and more of, if they're going to go push a left-wing ideology on my kids in school, I mean, it's just crazy because it's so out of step with Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahomans do not want their kids to be told, again, hey, look, here, here's the deal. If you really want to learn and you really want to be a social justice warrior and know everything about critical race theory and really just equip yourself to, you know, go win Joe Biden's war for America, you know, for America. Hey, go to Yale. I mean, go, yeah. go somewhere else. In the, in the state of Oklahoma, this, this is our universities and colleges should represent our values. Mm-hmm. Our values are ensuring that our young people have a good education and equips them for Oklahoma jobs. Mm-hmm. We want students to attend colleges, universities. Uh, our career techs, uh, externships, any kind of work skills program to then stay in the state, yeah, get a job here. Yeah. And that's where, and I think you've, you've done a great job of, of talking about this as well. And it's another subject, but that's where all these national certifications, national accreditations, who cares? I mean, yeah. you know, I, you know, it's such a, it's such a higher ed mentality of, Hey, you know, well, we want to get this national accreditation. Okay. You're in Oklahoma taking Mm -hmm. Oklahoma taxpayer dollars and your number one, you know, one of your top goals is to equip young people to enter Oklahoma's workforce. Yeah. Our concern isn't to repopulate California's workforce, environmental, you know, you know, you know, whatever, whatever industry they've got going over there right now. Yeah. Our focus should be on ensuring our young people when they go through our institutions are equipped to fill Oklahoma jobs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I just, I don't, I don't go for all that, you know, well, there's a national accreditation we can get, but okay, great. And it probably comes out of California or New York that they are pushing their own agenda. So how about we do this, the you know, in line with Oklahomans, what do we want for our future? What do we want for our young people? Well, uh, and that is exactly right. So, so now, you, okay. Which I think is going to happen. You know, Ryan is boom, your state superintendent, right? Okay. I know that that doesn't deal directly with with a higher ed 
you know, you, you have some influence, you have some definitely more conversations you can have with, with those. But I think it does have aspects to do with the teacher colleges, because these are the Oklahoma teacher colleges. And one thing that they really uh, have a direct effect on is professional development. Yes. Right. So right. Let, let talk to me a little bit about, because what I'm seeing is a lot of uh, woke ideology being ejected you know, they, they connect with these woke administrators, these DEI offices across the state in these in these K through 12 schools. And then they inject this prof- this kind of woke professional development straight from the college, in, which is in many cases can be a violation of 1775, I believe. So how will you as state superintendent rein in this professional development, uh, you know, proselytization of woke ideas? <laughs> Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, first of all, one of the first things I'm going to do is we're going to audit every program, every decision that Joy Hoffmeister's made. Joy Hoffmeister has finally come out and shown everyone she is a left-wing ideologue. She is more concerned about going woke and getting money from far-left interests, frankly, out of state. I mean, she's getting a lot of money from out-of-state liberals. And that's been her base. She -hmm. came in on the back of the Teachers Union and Administrators Association. Um, She's a leftist. So, all the professional developments programming going on there, we're going to do a deep dive audit and because there is not going to be any kind of indoctrination coming out of the State Department of Education, number one. Number two, it's all going to be transparent. I want every parent, I want every community leader, I want everyone out there in the state of Oklahoma to be able to see what we're doing, what teachers are being trained in, what they're being told. You know, I'll go off on this, too. You know, they, they, there's a school board training being given by the school board association right now that school board members go through. Well, why are we allowing a group that is still on the National School Board Association that, that declared parents domestic terrorists, begged the FBI to go investigate terrorists? We funnel all of our school board members to their training. Yeah. Okay. Let me just, I mean, this is crazy, right? Why wouldn't we just put the training online at the State Department of Ed and everybody in the state can sit there and watch the training if they want to watch it so that there's full transparency over what we're telling our school board members? I mean, it's yeah. not rocket science. I mean, yeah. like just, just look, transparency. Transparency is such, such an answer to so many of these questions. And then let me tell you, professional development, I hear it from teachers all the time. Again, most teachers, the overwhelming majority, want to do a good job. They That's know. Right. I, I mean, and I am, you know, I don't know of a job that has a greater impact on the world around us than, than teaching. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, the impact teachers have is truly immeasurable. So teachers understand that. Teachers want to get better at their craft. Teachers want mm-hmm. to improve. I hear it all the time all over the state. They send me these trainings and don't help me whatsoever. And yep. the thing that really gets me is when they pay for these trainings, they'll pay high dollar from mm-hmm. someone from higher ed, by the way, who's never taught. Yep. They, went through, they got their master's. They got their PhD. They've never been in a K-12 classroom in their life. That's right. They're going to lecture our teachers on how to be a good teacher. And, and, you know, frankly, there's something missing there, right? Like, yes. And, and so what I've been advocating for and what I've been pushing for is what I would love to see. Let's go find the 10 best, best math teachers in the state, right? Yeah. Let's pay them and, and, and have them go. I want to keep them in the classroom. We can do this. Yeah. Again, it's not. It's not. It's a great problem. idea. We'll have them provide professional developments around the state. They are in the classroom. They are great teachers. They can give you a real practical, this is what we can do to do things better in your classroom. Teachers love to get training and work with people that are in the classroom with them. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, Don't go pay some somebody from out of state who's peddling a book to come yep. in and do a training. Don't go pay, you know, so, you know, some PhD that's never even taught in a K-12 classroom. Go find someone who's teaching, who's got a great track record, who's a rock star teacher. 
to come in and help the teachers. It's a way to also put money back in our great teachers' pockets. I, that can be done. That is something that I am very passionate mm-hmm. about that I think we have to do. And frankly, it's the best practice. Every other industry does that, right? Like, yep. great people here. All right, well, you're the, you're the leader. Show the people who just came into this uh, environment or industry – uh, show them the secrets of your success. Show them what your best practices are. I mean, it, it makes too much sense, but for some reason, uh, well, I mean, we know the reason. These yeah. establishment groups don't want that, uh, so they push back on it. But that should absolutely be part of our educational system. Well, that's such a great idea. I will tell you that I'm going to go off for just a second on this because I've seen this so much in my field where you have a PA over credentialing is a huge problem, and we have so many college professors that are my age and younger that are teaching teachers how to teach and have spent a grand total of two years in a classroom. And if they, and if they're focused, it's amazing to me. And especially in my craft in my area, and I'm not going to name any names, but there are, there are professors being hired that have two, three, four years of experience in, you know, a, a K through 12 setting maybe, and are, have, are teaching teachers how to teach at a high school level how to manage a classroom at a high school level. And they've right. never encountered it. They've right. ne- and, but the PhD behind their name, and I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now devaluing my own, my own degrees here, but, <laughs> but I, I spent 10 years in the classroom, but I sat and watched, I sat and watched as a committee, as an ad, ad hoc, you know, graduate as, uh, assistant viewer of this process. Teachers are, are experienced people, 30 years in the classroom, you know, um, directors of, of arts programs or, and people that hired teachers for years be passed over for somebody that has two or three years experience. But you want to know why? Because they had a list this long of yep. social justice that's right. academia behind them and the college is pushing that. And this is through the diversity, equity and inclusion offices, because here's the other part in Norman in Stillwater and in the high schools, you're often now seeing these DEI um, uh, essays that you have to write to get the job. And so they're, they're weeding out people ideologically and politically before they can even go in. Yep. <laughs> I just, but so the idea of you, I love the idea of you saying, go find the best 10 teachers. Yep. Uh, go ahead. And I mean, and this is the thing is we've been basing so much of what we're emphasizing in education on left-wing ideology, on on their game. You know, I call it like the woke Olympics because it's always like, who can one-up each other? It's just like right when you see something crazy, they do something crazier. And it's like street cred amongst liberals. And and I'm going, no, no, how about, crazy, crazy thought Mm -hmm. here. How about the way that we determine, you know, know, decision-making in education is who does a great job in educating our kids? Yeah. So how about we go out there? And I'm going to tell you, I love those conversations. I've been blessed to have some of the greatest teachers around the state as folks that I work with. I have a monthly educator advisory call that I do with educators across the state. I've been doing that for years. Um, I love to talk to great teachers around the state because guess what? You know what? They're not talking about all this far left nonsense. You know what they want to talk about? They want to talk about the new activity they do with kids that really get them excited about reading. They want to talk about the things that they've done for students who have disabilities that are able to greatly increase their math scores. They want to talk about the new way that they figured out how to teach a really difficult economic uh, concept with their kids. They Mm -hmm. want to talk about the way that they inspired young people to get excited about jobs in fifth and sixth grade that they introduced in the classroom. That's what great teachers want to talk about. And great teachers can help 
our mentor, our young teachers into the profession by doing this. Again, I mentioned that earlier. I was very blessed to have a tremendous mentor. I don't know what would have happened to me if I wouldn't have had someone who mentored me because you know what? I didn't get in there to be a bad teacher. And when you talk about the teacher shortage, the teachers don't want the left-wing ideology pushed on them and they want to do a good job. Teachers mm -hmm. so often feel isolated. Hey, there's your classroom. Here's the keys. Here's your books. Have fun. And then when they go to a professional development, it's not, it's either indoctrination or it doesn't help them whatsoever. That's not what they want to do. They want to be a good teacher. So they get frustrated. And the other thing, I know we're kind of coming to a close here, but they get undermined with discipline. Yes. I hear this all the time. Hey, I'm here to teach. And little, you know, Johnny is throwing stuff at me, cussing at me. I send him to the office and I go, ah, yeah, you know, just, just deal with Johnny. You know, we really don't want to punish him. It could, it could hurt his self-esteem here. So let's just, you know, just, just let Johnny call you any name that he wants and we'll just deal with it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Who can teach in that environment? Who can be effective in that environment? That is the undermining of teachers through the education bureaucrats. Yes. Instead of empowering teachers and saying, listen, our job, I mean, frankly, the job of administrators is to take care of the managerial duties so that teachers can focus on their craft. And yes, if there needs to be accountability of a teacher, mm -hmm. a teacher that does something inappropriate or improper, absolutely. But, but the teachers should know the administrators have their back with discipline, are going to make sure that there's a good culture in a school of learning, and to make sure that they're actually getting what they need to be successful in the classroom. And frankly, when I talk to teachers, there's so many that are frustrated that that's not happening for them. Yeah. Well, and I think you hit on something there is that, that we have a, a, a woeful lack of classroom management. But but it's it, not only do new teachers often not ha know how to manage the classroom, but they're not given the tools to manage the classroom. Right. And I think it's an undermining of the, the, the this idea that if you hurt a student's, you know, um, feelings in the moment by saying, hey, maybe sit down and don't talk in the middle of class. You know, I mean, it, they, we're talking about basic things. Right. And, yeah. I, and this, they, they flip it on you by saying, well, well, why can I make, you know, little Johnny feel bad about what his ancestors did 200 years ago? It's not yeah. the same thing. These things are not transferable. And I want to point this out. This is the dialectical shift that you, the, the, this trap that they try to throw Ryan into, that they try to throw anybody who fights against this wokeness. It's like Ryan's talking about being able to, you know, do the common sense things of, of high, uh, this is, you know, an example, but the, um, you know, the, the metaphorical slapping of the hand and saying, hey, no, you're going to go to the principal's office. You're, my, you're not going to have to act this way in my class. I have standards. There's a difference between that and a teacher or an administrator going, hey, you, you're, you're, your ancestors owned slave 200 years ago. So, you know, you need to stand backwards in the line and I need to give these other students more, right? And uh, that's a, a shift that I, th I want people to understand in the context of what Ryan is talking about, because I've heard the left do this to him. I've seen them try to do it where he's, they will use the fact that Ryan or anybody else who has standards against him. Yeah. And that is, we, we got to stop letting the left doing that. We got to stop accepting their premise. That, amen. It's a very Marxist view uh, mm -hmm. of the world and of, of children that you're more concerned with the collective. It's the collective mm -hmm. sin. It's the collective achievement. It's not on the individual. And this is in one of the most destructive forces in education is this leftist Marxist view mm -hmm. that we don't view. We don't value the individual. We don't value the individual child. We only view them in the collective. We only value them in a group think mentality. And so, you know, hey, you know, your discipline problems, you know, they're, they're probably just victims. You know, they're just victims because of this and that. And so all of their behavior as an individual is, is excused because we've given them this built in excuse rather than saying, look, you know, it, you know, 
Johnny, you know, hey, you know, and I dealt with this a lot and it is heartbreaking. You know, the schools I taught were very high poverty and it were kids that came from from difficult backgrounds and my heart would break for them. But we also held them to high expectations and high standards. And I would always tell them, guys, I understand that things are difficult at home and and, you know, and, and I and I hate that and I have a lot of empathy for you. You still have to behave right at school. You still have to turn in your assignments at school. And I'm just telling you, I care about you. And because I care about you, I want you to get a good education. I want you to finish school because guess what? Your life is going to be exponentially better. I'm not doing you any favors to say, I'm really sorry that things are difficult at home. So just don't do any of your work. You know, just come in here and and misbehave all the time. It'll be, it'll be fine. I'm trying to prepare you so you can have a great life moving forward. And that's the true difference in, the, and you see what happens in academic outcomes is when the left does this whole built in, hey, kids in poverty can't learn now, nah, you know, they just they're just that's that's their lot. And, and you, you have that mentality that comes from the top down through these education bureaucrats. The kids will rise to the level of expectations you put on them that's instead right. of the that's belief right. that our founders had, which is that God endowed us all with certain inalienable rights that every individual you're responsible for your behavior. That's right. You're responsible for your actions. And we are going to hold you accountable for your behavior and your actions. But let us be really clear. Your potential is unlimited. If you make the right decisions, if you work hard in life, if you have a good value set in in your decision making process, you can achieve great things. And we want you to. That's why we hold you as an individual accountable. That's exactly right. And this is the other part of it. Wokeness is a religion without grace. It's a religion without mercy. That's right. It's a it, it it uses your worst mistakes against you and holds you there. That we have to with repentance comes restoration. You yes. know, and that's and that's in a classroom on an individual setting. And I will say this, and I'm going to give you the last word, but I want to hit on this point because what you just said, I was that kid, and I was let me give some let me give you my 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 personal experience. You know, my my lived experience, as they would say. Mm-hmm. I my 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 parents made ten thousand dollars a year all the way through high school and afterwards they 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 got sucked into the welfare state and and figured out that they could not work and and give me the health care i needed and they lost all motivation and i was headed down a road that was very that was very dangerous you know with drugs and alcohol and all kinds of different things like that but i had a teacher that looked at me and he said i'm you've got some talent you're smart enough you can be a teacher and i'm not going to let you slack off because you know, you don't have the right shoes or the shoes you want or because you are, you know, having troubles at home. And the only reason I got out of that was because I had somebody who wouldn't let me, who wouldn't let me say, you know, I'm just going to give up because things are hard. Right. And and so I, I, I think that what you just hit there, that's the difference. It's telling kids if, if you strive for the standard, most of the time you can actually exceed it. Yep. And why, why wouldn't we want to make them believe that? Why wouldn't we want to make them believe that over you're constantly a victim and nobody's ever going to be able to bring you ahead? You're never going to be able to do anything with your life. Yep. So, Ryan, I know you got to go. I know you got to hit the pavement again and, and get out there and get all those votes. But I just want to say this. You, everyone here needs to vote for Ryan Walters because I'm going to tell you, and this is to all of my audience, who those who watched me, who those who haven't, but I know this issue. And Ryan has not, and I'm not saying just because he talks to me that you should vote for him. Ryan doesn't just talk to me. Ryan and I disagree on some things, but I will say this, Ryan listens. And unlike, uh, you know, uh, I'm just, unlike April Grace, who uh, really is kind of walking around and, and, and saying, you know, 
just repeating the same things about, you know, the, the same things that Joy Hoffmeister was telling you 10, 15 years ago. Where did that lead us to here? We're in this problem because we took that path. Don't take the path. Ryan is the guy for this job. And if we want to see anything change, we have we can't do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. We just can't. So, Ryan, let me give you the last word. Let me give you the last word. Go ahead. Well, Mark, I, I sure appreciate your 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 kind words there, and I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And you know, and I I see this. You know, I'm you know I we have got to defeat the left. It is, it is sinister at what they're pushing on our kids. The guys, you know, I, I'm very optimistic and I'm very hopeful because I talk to Oklahomans. Um, I talk to parents, I talk to community leaders. I talk to, you know, when I go around the state and I talk to Oklahomans, I hear people that are fed up with what's been going on and they want better for their kids. We all want better for our kids. I, I want my kids to have a better educational experience than I had. Uh, I know grandparents want the be better for their grandkids. We want to do this in Oklahoma. We can do this. We are the best state in the country. We have conservative values. Our education system has not reflected that, but it can. It mm -hmm. can if we have proper leadership. And let me tell you what proper leadership is. It's people that listen to Oklahomans and reflect their values. I, I have been able, I've been blessed to talk to so many Oklahomans and, and say, look, you're a hundred percent right. Our schools should be empowering parents. Our schools should be transparent to parents. And our, and our schools should be rejecting left-wing ideology so that every child can, can be told that they can achieve great things. They have tremendous God-given potential, but that's up to them as an individual to do that. We're not going to collect, put collective sin on them. We're not going to push an ideology on them. We are going to equip them in our schools so that they can all be successful. If that's the path that they choose, it is empowering. It's hopeful. It's optimistic. We can do this as a state. Please, uh, I would appreciate you going out and voting for me on Tuesday. Please spread the word around. Uh, I mean, I'm getting attacked by these national, the national teachers unions dropped over $1.5 million in negative ads across the state on me. And I wear it as a badge of honor. Okay. They're not in line with Oklahoma values. They just determined two weeks ago that they're going to start using the term birthing persons instead of women. So, I, I mean, they're, they're not, they're not in line with Oklahoma values, but again, they are scared of what happens when you empower families, when you empower parents, when you empower the community and you speak on behalf of, of Oklahoma values. And so that's really what this attack is. It's an attack on Oklahoma values. That's exactly right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for everything you've done for the students and will continue to do. And uh, I, I, I think I speak for myself and my audience. We're here if you need us and we'll keep working for you too. So yes, thank sir. you for being I look here. I forward Ryan. to working with you. Thank All you right. very much, Mark.